Hi, Pastor Rob here from Blessed Hope Chapel and RobCartledgeMinistries.com. What you hold is true. Is it really truth? Will what you believe get you through on Judgment Day? Are you keeping to the pattern of sound teaching held out in Scripture? In this series, Truth, Judgment and Eternity, I intend to deliver messages that check the solidness of our Christian foundation so as to guard the good deposit that was entrusted to us as Christ's ambassadors on this earth. Now let's uh, turn to Romans. Uh, Romans 8. Now this sermon... Um, I preached a few weeks ago, but I don't feel I really got it. I felt I had to do this sermon again just to really get a hold of what I was intending to preach uh, in this message. And it's, of course, the message that I like to call if. It's, it's grabbing the word if, a conditional promise or a conditional term that uh, relates to many scriptures, which unfortunately much of the modern church has, has left out or doesn't really consider in in relation to the doctrines in which they teach. Now, so Romans 8, 12 to 14. I'm also going to be doing a sermon in the future called Unless. <laughs> okay, because there's when you look up the term unless, if you do a search and you look through the New Testament with every reference to unless, it's very much like if. It has all these references to, uh, which are, again, conditional terms. All right, 8, 12... Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature and to live according to it. So we have an obligation. Now, if you'd read this passage, you'll know that our obligation is to the Spirit. We have an obligation to live by the Spirit, to serve the Spirit, to serve God by obeying the Spirit. That's our obligation. And it's not... He makes well clear here that it's not to the sinful nature. We are not to live according to the sinful nature and do what it desires us to do. We are to live according to the Spirit and do what the Spirit desires us to do. Uh, For if you live according to the sinful nature... Now catch that word, for if... Who's he talking to? Who's Paul talking to right now? To the Roman Christians. He's not talking to the Roman unbelievers, is he? Because the unbelievers wouldn't be in this church reading this letter. He's talking to the Roman Christians. He says to the Roman Christians, For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. Now, he's not referencing just death, normal death, because everyone dies. He's talking about eternal death. But if by the Spirit, again, he says if... So what he means, he says, if by the Spirit you put the death to misdeeds of the body, you will live. What he's saying is, if you don't live by the Spirit, you will not live. Does that make sense? If you live by the Spirit, you will put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. But if you don't put to death the misdeeds of the body, you won't live. So Christians have an obligation. Now that we're Christian, we are to live according to to the spirit and not according to the sinful nature because those who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God so this is how you know who is a true believer in Jesus Christ it's someone who lives according to the spirit of God not someone who lives according to their sinful nature 
Not someone who's, who, who's been comforted with, the, with this promise that if, if no matter what you do now, you can't lose your salvation, you can live however you want in actuality because Jesus has died for your sins, past, present and future. That's a lie. Jesus has died for your sins. You get, he, he's died for your sins and you've got to uh, repent. Now, repentance isn't saying sorry every single day because you keep on going back and doing the same sins. It's not a sorry. Repentance means turning from. See, the church has forgotten what repentance actually means. It means turning from and stop obeying the sinful nature. Stop living that way. Start living according to the Spirit. The Bible's cut and dry in this. And we're going to go through a lot of scriptures. I've got tons of scriptures here that are going to tell us exactly the same thing over and over again. And I don't know how the church has missed this. Well, not all the church. There are those that haven't. But there are so many that have. They make the promises of salvation so easy as if you just purchase a ticket and you've got a ticket in your hand and you're going no matter what. You know what I mean? It's not, we don't purchase a ticket to heaven. We walk with the Father. You know what I mean? We walk with the Spirit. We live by the Spirit. We die in the Spirit. And that's how Christians should live their life. So let's let's move through this. And I'm going to try to move quickly because there's a lot of scriptures. Um, last time when I did this sermon, I actually changed the name of it. I took the if out because I, even though I did preach a lot of sermons, uh, a lot of scriptures that use the term if, I felt I sort of went, digressed too far in the wrong direction for it to be this sermon. So last time I spoke about Alistair Crowley who's the father of the pagan 20, 21st century modern culture who introduced the catchphrase, do what thou wilt. What's interesting is this morning I get an email from a guy who watched that sermon because I uploaded it in the last few days, and he said in, the, in his comment, it's not do whatever you want, it's do what, what you will. He called me a fool, an ignorant fool. But when I looked at the comment, he'd actually edited the, uh, the fool out, but he called me ignorant. Because I, I said that Alistair Crowley taught do what you want, which is a modern way of saying do what you will. All right? What's the difference between do what you will and do what you want anyway? Do you know what I mean? Try to work out the difference. If you do what you will, you do what you will. <laughs> Anyway, and then he said Alistair Crowley's teaching is totally positive. I've read his teachings. Anyone who could say that that guy teaches positive, I'm off. All right, battery's gone. Hold on. And I was just getting on my high horse having a rant. Probably a good thing to do right now. Shut Rob up for a second. So this guy was saying that... Um, you know, the teachings of Alistair Crowley are positive teachings. Yeah, well, if you want to do what you want and you want to do blood sacrifices to pagan gods and if you call that positive, you know, sacrificing a, a young child in the, in the flames, okay, that's positive. If that's what you consider positive, I consider that bloodthirsty and very, very evil. Anyway, the do-what-thou-wilt philosophy was brought into the church through the once-saved-always-saved doctrine. That's how Satan got it into the church. He, he watered down the truth of salvation by grace to the point where grace just means it's a free-for-all. You're covered by the grace of God. Go for it. Live however you want. And, and we know that's not true. 
We know that can't be true. So I'm going to go into it a little bit more. I also talked about the word if is from the Greek ian, and it's a particle showing a statement is conditional. The statement has a condition attached to it. It refers to a condition extending to spin-off possibilities. If you do this, this will happen. If you don't do this, that'll happen. We all know what if means. When we say, if you don't stop doing that, you're going to get this. You know, when you say that to your kid, the kid knows what if means. Better stop it. We must remain in him. John 15, verses 5 to 6, and it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Let's look at the inference. If a man does not remain in Jesus uh, and Jesus doesn't remain in him as a result, he will not bear much fruit. Apart from me, he can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. Now, when he says remain in me, what he's meaning is they are in him. So this annuls the whole argument that if this person continued to sin and turned his back on Christ and walked away, he was never truly in Christ in the first place. That's what they teach. No, that's not true. That's not true because Jesus is saying here, if you don't remain in me, Meaning, you're already in me, you've got to remain now in me. But if you don't remain in me, if you don't stay in me and you step away from me and start doing your own thing and live according to the sinful nature, you will be picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. Jesus is cut and dry. Once saved, always saved is a lie because Jesus tells us it is right there. I'll keep on going. Gospel must remain in you. Listen to this, 1 John 2, 24 to 25. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. See that it remains in you. What you've heard, this truth that I'm teaching you, see that it remains in you. Meaning until the end of your life, you must live with this truth and it must remain in you. If it does, you will also remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, even eternal life. So let's look at that if word there. If it doesn't, you won't remain in the Son and in the Father, and this is what you will receive, eternal hell. We must remain in Jesus to be saved. We must hold on to our courage and hope, Hebrews 3.6. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house, and we are his house. So we are his house, meaning we're his body, we're his connected to him, we are part of him. And then the writer of Hebrews says, if we are his house, if we hold on to our courage and hope, of which we boast. If we hold on to our courage and hope, the one that we boast about right now, we will remain part of his house. If we don't hold on to our courage and hope, because there's an if, there's a condition, spin-off possibilities, we won't be part of his house. We will be discarded, we'll be thrown out. Now, you don't want to be in that place, do you? No way. We must hold firm to the hope. Hebrews 3, 13 to 14. But encourage one another daily as long as it is as it is called today. Uh, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So that's what the church is all about, encouraging one another daily. I'm going to encourage you daily or weekly, as I said in my last video, 
Um, and uh, now that we're on YouTube, you can be encouraged daily. Watch the videos. Watch watch videos of um, uh, you know Jacob Prash and listen to uh, Joe Schimmel and, and just get get this sort of teaching into you daily. Live and breathe this stuff. We've got to do it. We've got to do it daily. It says here, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You don't want to get hardened by sin. It ruins a man. And it'll, it'll harden you to Christ. If you sin enough, if you walk away from Christ and sin long enough, you won't want a part of Christ. You won't want to be in his house. You'll get to a point like some atheists will say, why, why would I want to spend eternal life in heaven with a bunch of Christians? As if we're the most foulest thing on earth. Okay. Well, if you want to spend it in hell with a bunch of devils, go for your life. You know, burning. But anyway, we have, to, we have come to share in Christ. Listen to this. We've come to share in Christ if we hold firmly to the end the confidence we had at first. See, it's not a matter of just accepting Jesus and then doing whatever you want. It's a matter of accepting Jesus and putting on the whole armor of God and walking in God from that moment forward in Christ for the rest of your life, finishing the course Run as if you want to win the race. One run as if you're going to finish the race. There's no prize for someone who only gets halfway along and then pulls out. You've got to get to the end. Amen? You've got to make it. Listen to this one. 1 Timothy 4.16, Paul said, watch your life and doctrine closely. Watch it closely. We've got to be very, very particular with what we believe, guys. We've got to be very, very hard on ourselves about what we get taught. Is it true or is it false? We've got to analyse and study everything like Bereans. We've got to be very, very particular about what we receive into our heart and life. Amen? Watch your life and doctrine closely. Examine it. Like, put it under the microscope. Put what I say under the microscope. Look at it very carefully. Cross-reference with other scriptures. Does it, you know... Come, does it uh, run in line with each other? Is it, is it the truth? Persevere in this, this way of thinking about life. Because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. But if you don't, you won't save yourself or your hearers. There it is again. If. It's a critical word. So, two little letters. I-F. Three in Greek. Yeah. <laughs> If, but it holds the truth in that statement. It holds the truth. We must not disown him. 2 Timothy 2, 11 to 13. Here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. So if we die with him, meaning I've just done three sermons on, on um, uh, get on the cross, haven't I? I've talked about how to die to self and live for Christ. And I've talked about, you know, devotion in prayer, devotion in uh, Bible reading, um, and just putting God first in everything and, and, and so on. I've, I've done those sermons. So we know what it's all, it means now to say, if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we'll also reign with him. So we, if we endure this life, if we get through this life and we make it to the end, we will reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. Did you hear that? Is once saved, always saved in that? Can you see it? It's not there, is it? I can't see it there. If we disown Jesus... Now, to disown something, you must have once owned. 
You know, once we were owning Jesus in the sense of, you know, we don't own him, but you know what I mean? He owns us, we own him, we're in him. He's our inheritance. And then you disown him, he's going to disown us. That means don't recant of Christ no matter what. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful. Because his faithfulness is not dependent on our faithfulness. You know what I mean? For he cannot disown himself. Now let's, let's look at this one. We must continue in the faith. Colossians 1, to 23. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight. He's, see, we've been reconciled through what Jesus did on the cross. Reconciled means brought to God. Made one with God. We are now children of God. We've been reconciled by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight. He did that to present us holy in his sight. Uh, That's why he went to the cross. Without blemish and free from accusation. Now listen to this. If you continue in your faith. If. You're going to be reconciled to Christ. Reconciled to God. You're going to be, you will have eternal life if you continue in your faith. If you don't continue in your faith, don't expect it. Don't expect it. Don't expect that just 20 years ago you made some profession at some altar that you will believe in Jesus and Jesus, yes, I, Lord, I believe in you, I, you know, I'll follow you. And then if you haven't backed up on your word and you haven't followed him and you haven't continued in your faith, don't expect to still receive salvation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm. See, we've got to be established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. We must be solid. Amen. Who's getting this today? Loss is possible. Now, this scripture here is one of the most powerful. And once you see this scripture in light of all the others, it, it, it really sets the scene of how important it is that we stay the course, we don't give up the faith, and we live holy, true lives. Hebrews 6, 4-6, it is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, so this is a person that's been enlightened, he realises Jesus is the truth, and he's accepted it with all his heart, he's, who, he's tasted the heavenly gift, he's tasted the spirit, Because the Spirit of God is the heavenly gift given to man. Tasted that. Lived, had had the Spirit. Who has shared, here it is, who has shared in the Holy Spirit. Who's tasted the goodness of the Word of God. Tasted the goodness of the Word of God. Meaning, realized that the Bible is good. And and also the powers of the coming age. Realized that heaven is a wonderful thing. And what Jesus has, that, that eternal uh, place that we're going to live forever and ever and ever, is wonderful, you know. It is impossible for those who have... So it's impossible, and then jump down to... Uh, for those to... If they, whoever falls away to be brought back to repentance. It's impossible. Meaning, this is one thing God can't do, is bring those sort of people back to repentance. Because to their loss, they're crucifying the Son of God all over again. And subjecting him to public disgrace by doing that, by turning their backs. So, guys, now that you're Christian, don't let anything change that fact. Don't let anything change that fact. Stay strong as Christians. Amen. Who's getting this today? Yep. 
You don't want to subject Jesus to public disgrace because we can't stay faithful. The church has a terrible misunderstanding of grace. Uh, many believe it means that all your sins are forgiven uh, in the sense of past, present and future. And therefore, even if you return to your old sinful ways, you can't lose your salvation for he died for those also. They teach that, that you can, even if you return to your old sinful life, that, you know, nothing's going to change that. Uh, the fact that you're saved. That's not grace. That's license. That's not grace. That's license to sin. And that's not what we're called to. God's mercy is enormous. Amen? He's got an enormous mercy. But after he has given us his spirit, if we don't obey, we'll lose our salvation. If we don't obey the spirit who he has given us, we will grieve the spirit. We grieve the spirit long enough and eventually reject the spirit. What hope is there? Do not deliberately sin. Hebrews 10, 26 to 27, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. Did you hear that? If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, as someone who's been saved to receive the knowledge of truth, no sacrifice for sins is left but only fearful expectation of judgment and raging fire which will consume the enemies. If we deliberately keep on sinning, we can't deliberately keep on sinning. Did you hear that? There's only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that's going to consume the enemies of God. He's going to consider you an enemy if you deliberately keep on sinning. If you keep on sinning, you become an enemy of God. Carnal Christians are enemies of God. I'll tell you what, do what thou wilt in the church is once saved, always saved, and it is a curse. It has caused the church to be the most unholy thing in the West. That's why no one's got respect for the church anymore. And I don't blame them. I don't blame atheists for cursing the church. I wish they wouldn't, but, you know, because they sort of bundle us all together. Oh, you're a Christian, ugh. You know, they get stuck in there. They give you heaps. You know, because they put us in the same category as all these other people who are out there just living the most lewd lifestyles. You know. But man, we are called to holiness. The church has got to change. I believe God's going to do a cleansing. He's going to clean, clean out the house. Do you know what I mean? He's going to throw some stuff out. I believe we're going to head into one of the biggest revol- church revolutions in history. When God cleans out the house. But you know what will happen is those houses that are clean are going to be blessed with a revival. And that's what this house is going to be. Amen. This house is going to be that. We're a remnant, but we're going to be a holy remnant. We're going to live for God pure and holy and true. We're going to be preach the word, the truth, as as I'm going to get try to get as right down the line as I can. Do you know what I mean? If you, can, if you can think about it, I feel this is the word of God. It's like walking a tightrope from one, the Grand Canyon from one edge to the other, walking on a tightrope. There's only one thin thread you can walk, and if you don't walk that thin thread, you will fall off. That's how well we've got to divide the truth. Amen? 
We've got to be accurate. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Why does he say life and doctrine? Doctrine is what you believe. Life is what you live. Our life has got to be holy. Our doctrine has got to be true. Holy and true. Amen. Hebrews 12:14b. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Very simple. Plain and simple. You choose not to be holy, choose to be sinful, you won't see Jesus. Actually, the only time you'll see him is a judgment day. Yeah. And he's not going to be happy. Hmm. Be one place that he'll, he'll, he'll just, by the breath of his mouth, he'll just blow you into hell. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's scary. It's scary. I don't think people realise what they're playing with. You know, when, it, when your mum said, you know, stop playing with fire when you're a kid, you know, we, after you, if you've been burnt once, you'll never do it again. You don't want to get it happen again. You don't go and deliberately stick your finger in a flame. But people are willingly playing with fire out there and they don't want to change. What they want to do is convince themselves there's no hell. They keep telling themselves there's no hell. There's no hell. There's no hell. The Bible's wrong. I'm right. My thoughts are greater than the Bible. Uh, I I have more knowledge than the Bible. That's how people think. You argue with people all the time. And I remember arguing with this this guy one day and... um, he was saying, I think, la, 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 And I would answer him, well, the word of God says, la, 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 la. And he says, well, I think, la, 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 la. And I said, the word of God says, la, 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 la. <laughs> and we went back and forth like that for quite a while. And I said, have you noticed something here? Every time you speak, you say, I think. And every time I speak, I say, God's word says. I'm using authority, you're using yourself. But he says, well, I don't think there's authority in the Bible. And I said, well, there's how we differ. <laughs> the Bible trumps that guy. Amen? The Bible trumps every man. I don't care how intelligent men think they are and how they can nitpick the Bible and say, how could the Bible be true if he allowed this to happen and that to happen and he could say this and pull out little scriptures here and there with no knowledge of theology, no ability to cohesively bring the whole thing together and get a full grasp of the full picture of the, of the Word of God. They don't know how to do that. They just know how to nitpick. But the truth of God stands strong and it's going to stand stronger in the days to come and we're going to be blown away by how amazing the Word of God is as these days come to a close. And the way we're going to see that is through prophecy being fulfilled before our very eyes and it's going to just be astounding. We're already, we're already getting blown away by some of the things that are taking place in the world. Okay, let me keep on moving. 2 Peter 1, 10 to 11. This is the assurance of your calling and election. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. Why would he say that if, you're, if it's sure? <laughs> Why would he say be all the more eager to make your calling and election, meaning your salvation, sure? If it's sure? <laughs> Meaning, if it's once saved, always saved, and you've got no chance of losing it? Why would he beat his body and make it a slave? Why would Paul beat his body and make it a slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize? Why would he bother beating his body and making it a slave? Meaning, causing his flesh to submit to the spirit. That's what he means. Why would he do that? Yeah. 
because he knew the truth. He knew about the word if back then. He knew if meant something. That's why he used it so much when he spoke. Uh, Peter said this, be all the more eager to make your call on the election sure, for if you do these things, you will never fall. So if you don't do these things, you will fall. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen. There you go. How many scriptures have I pulled up today? A lot. I'm going to keep going. 1 Corinthians 15, 2. By this gospel you are saved. If. <laughs> that straight away cancels out. Once saved, always safe. Right there. By this gospel you are saved. If. You hold firmly to the word I preach to you. If. So you do an inference. If you don't hold firmly to the word that Paul preached, you are not saved. Sorry? It's so plain, yet thousands and thousands of ministers miss it. Yet it's all through the New Testament. And I'm telling you now, if you know you consider this sermon, I've got this if sermon, I'm going to do the unless sermon. When you see them all together, it's like, okay, case closed. I don't think we need to go any further with this. I think we've solved that whole once saved, always saved dilemma. Otherwise, if you, had, if, you, if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. So what he's saying is, we don't just accept Jesus Christ and that's the end of the story. We accept Jesus, we turn, we start living a holy life, we live by the Spirit, we walk by the Spirit, therefore, he becomes us, or we, in a sense, we, know we start to shine like Jesus Christ. We become lights in a dark place. We become those men and women of God that God's called us to be. Otherwise, we believed in vain. Otherwise, we've believed in vain. Listen to this one. Matthew 5, uh, 5.13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? What's salt losing its saltiness mean? It means our passion for Christ is gone. We've given up the faith. We've walked away. If the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salt again? They can't. It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. No good for anything. That means you're not going to get salvation. If your salt loses its saltiness, so my job is to make sure your salt doesn't lose its saltiness. I'll keep bringing the spices and herbs to church each week. Flavour, get some flavour in this place. Yeah. John 8.51, I tell you the truth, if anyone, get that again, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. <laughs> if anyone keeps my word, see, you've got to keep it. So if anyone doesn't keep his word, he will see death. And he's talking about the second death. He's not talking about death from this life because every good and holy Christian has died from this life except two or three. But if we, I tell you the truth, if anyone keeps the word, keeps Jesus' word, he will never see death. 1 John 1.67, if we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie. 
So if you claim to have fellowship with Jesus and walk in darkness, meaning obey the lusts of the flesh, John's telling us we're liars if we live like that. And do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. See, by walking in the light, we will be purified continuously from all sin. But if we don't walk in the light, the blood of Jesus won't purify us from all sin and no one can enter heaven unless they're purified from all sin by the blood of Jesus. John 8, 31 to 32, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples. So if you don't continue in the word or in Jesus' word, then we're not disciples of Jesus. And no one will enter the heaven, kingdom of heaven unless they are disciples of Jesus. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has, is, has gone and the new has come. If anyone is in Christ. So if anyone is in Christ, it's a new creation. And we know that Matthew 10.38 says, And anyone who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. We must become worthy of Jesus. Amen? That means, what does worthiness really mean? We've got to be holy, we've got to be true, we've got to be just and right and honourable, we've got to live like Christ, we've got to be like Christ, we've got to shine like lights. We've got to be Bible moths, you know, eating the Bible up. We've got to be prayer warriors, we've got to pray like there's no tomorrow. You know, that's how we've got to live. Philippians 2.12, Wherefore... My beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now do you understand why he says that? Because we have to live out our salvation in the fear of God, knowing that what we do today could cause us to spiral down a terrible, terrible road which could lead us to the loss of salvation. So we live out our life in fear and trembling, our salvation in fear and trembling, holding to the truth daily, committing our minds and our hearts to the truth, focusing on staying the course. Amen? We must stay the course to receive salvation. It's not just a handout. It's not a give you. Here, who wants to get saved? You? Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. It's ridiculous. Come up the front if you want to get saved. Well, of course. <laughs> oh, but do you realise you've got to die? Oh, no. Do you realise that you've got to live that life in holiness? You've got to give up sin? Oh, really? You know, you start saying these sort of things and people start going, hmm, I don't know now. But if you're teaching them, come up the front, accept Jesus, and no matter what you do, you're never going to lose the salvation that I'm going to make sure you have today. And the people come up, yeah, I'll have it. All right, well, go on then. You got it. Go live your life now, but know that you're going to go to heaven. What a load of rot. People go home and they get back into their old habits. Oh, let's smoke some cones, let's drink some beer, let's watch some porn, let's get into it. 
But I'm also going to heaven. Get that. What a bonus. Come on. Worthless religion. James 1.26, if anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. If we don't watch what we say, we're worthless. James 2.14, what good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? See, you've got to back up your faith with deeds. You have to have deeds. You've got to live this out. You've got to be, be, have make yourself worthy in the eyes of Jesus. Jesus says, you know, you've got to take up your cross. If you're not going to take up your cross, you're not worthy of him. Deeds make you worthy before God. Now, I'm not teaching a work salvation because the salvation is by Jesus Christ and his blood alone. But never said from that moment on, you don't have to do anything. That's ridiculous. You know, think of it this way. Uh, your, your mother or your father gives you a piano. Always relate back to piano because I'm a piano teacher. Gives you a piano. Here you go, here's a gift. You got a piano. Yay. And the kid goes, oh, now I can play piano. No, you got a piano. It's like you, you, you've, that's the grace of God. He's giving you the piano. Now you've got to practice. Now you've got to live it out. And you've got to do it daily. You know what I mean? Now you've got to Prove your worth on that thing. <laughs> eh? Yeah, makes you see it a bit better. Yeah. So the grace of God is like the, the gift. Now you can start practicing. See, without the Holy Spirit, we can't be holy. How can we live out holiness without the Holy Spirit? It's ridiculous to think we can. We'd have to sit in some Buddha shrine in a, in a lotus position. You know, but that's not going to make you holy. It's just going to make you very quiet for long periods of time. And it's going to make you think nothing because they say empty your thoughts. So you don't think anything. That's not true meditation. Meditation, you should meditate on God. Fill your thoughts with the thoughts of God. Get the mind of Christ and live a holy life. You know what I mean? All right, dead faith. James 2, 17 to 19, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. See, if you don't act out your faith by living a holy life, it's dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God good, even the demons believe that and shudder. You've put your hand up and said, yeah, I believe Jesus. I believe in Jesus. Yeah, well, so do the demons. Believing in Jesus is not a one-way ticket to heaven. The demons aren't going there. You know, there's a lot of Christians out there no better than demons. Because they say, I believe in Jesus, but they don't have faith. By, and show it by what they do. They don't live that holy life. Remember Leonard Ravenhill said, how do you gauge the holiness, or, or, or how do you gauge the quality of a church and the quality of their believers? And he says, by um, asking the community around about them, how holy are those people that come out of that church? How holy are they? Holiness is the crown that a, that a, uh, a Christian wears 
Holiness is what we put on every day, a crown of salvation. That's our crown. All right. We must produce fruit. Matthew 3, 8 to 10. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. See? Produce fruit, proving that you're keeping with repentance, that you're keeping with the commitment that you've made to Jesus. And do not think you can say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. That's pretty scary, isn't it? It's going to be a judgment of Christians, and it's going to take... Well, when I say Christians, we've got to remember, true Christians are holy. Anyone who's not holy is not a true Christian, so they shouldn't even be called Christian. They're no better than the demons that believe in Jesus. Didn't the demons recognize Jesus before the humans did? You know, the demoniac said, I know who you are, you're the son of God. Demons knew, they all recognize him, they all know him. Yeah, and he told them to be quiet. Yeah. Turn to Jude, because these two scriptures really encapsulate the kind of ministers that are out there today. And we've got to see this in light of the knowledge we've just looked at. So Jude is just one, one chapter. All right, everyone there? Jude is right near Revelation. It's the book before Revelation. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share. See, he's writing about the salvation that we share. I felt I had to write and urge you to contend. And contend means engage in a competition or a campaign in order to win or achieve it. We've got to engage in this thing. We've got to contend with it, engage in it, and compete with it. It says, um, hang on, go back. I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. It's been entrusted to us, guys. It has been entrusted to us, this faith that we have. For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who change, listen to this, the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. How's that? The grace of God, they changed it into a license for immorality. That's what once saved, always saved teaching does. It gives you a license to be immoral. Though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. Now, why would he say that? He wanted to say that he delivered a whole people out of Egypt, but then in the desert he destroyed them because certain, certain people because they couldn't live the faith. And he's saying that to the church. Just remember... You could get destroyed if you don't live the faith. Too many Christians are out there just living too lax in their life, in their Christian life. They're out there living a very, very relaxed Christian life to the point where they sin continually. 2 Peter 2, verse 17 to 22. And this is the final scripture I'll read today, and then I'll just recommend some other scriptures to go and look at as well. And it says this, These men... are springs without water 
and mists driven by a storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them, for they mouth empty boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of sinful human nature, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. <clears throat> so what this, the people that are just escaping this, the, uh, the error of their ways, these are men who are putting up their hand and saying, I want salvation. Just escaping error and uh, the sin in which they lived. They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity for a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. If they escape the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ and are again, listen to this, if they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it, and overcome. They are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. So if you, having escaped this this sinful life and lived for Jesus and then you get back into it, you're worse off. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to return their backs, uh, sorry, then to turn their backs on the sacred commandment that was passed on to them. Of them the proverbs are true, a dog returns to its vomit, and a sow that is washed goes back to her wallowing in the mud. Or a sow, I should say, sow. So, does that help us to understand this doctrine a little bit? And I think I've hit, hit it home pretty hard today. There are uh, some other scriptures I want you to look at. Galatians five sixteen to 21. If you want to make a note of that, anyone who's interested, 1 Corinthians 9, 27 to 10, 12. Also, there's a really interesting passage in Ezekiel 18, um, which talks about a righteous man who is righteous, but then if he turns from his righteousness, he, he won't be acknowledged by God or won't be saved. And then a man who was unrighteous but turns to righteousness will be saved. And it just puts it into plain, plain language so we can understand really the gist of this whole thing. And then also, if you read through Romans 6 and also Romans 8, it elaborates on the uh, walking in the Spirit and that sort of stuff that I've been talking about. All right? So I hope that's been a blessing to you, to help you to understand the faith a little bit more. It's a very solid faith we live, but we've got to live it. We can't just know it and do nothing about it. It's got to be a, something that happens in us. And we walk, walk out in our life. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I just uh, thank you for this time just to preach to these guys today and I thank you Lord that they uh, were listening and receiving what I had to say and I pray that those on the internet will also be um, impacted by everything that I say as well. Um, I pray that you uh, bless us this week, uh, help us to really um, walk out what what has been spoken here, walk it out real clearly in our life, start to, if we haven't been, that we will even more so walk out uh, our holiness, our righteousness, living for you in uh, purity and holiness, uh, that would become those lights that you uh, called us to be when we were first called. So um, help us to be effective in reaching people, help us to be effective in our prayer life, help us to uh, read the scriptures and get passion and motivation to read them. Um, May we read them as if our life depends on it, which it surely does. Uh, So I pray your blessing, blood covering over us all, 
uh, over this whole church in the name of Jesus and be with us now. Amen. All right. Thanks for listening to this sermon. If you search Rob Cartledge in the iTunes store or go to www.robcartledge.com, you'll see a number of different sermon series uncovering religion, truth, judgment, and eternity, apologetics 101, critical doctrine, and end times. Feel free to check them out.